Wake Forest advances to the College World Series for the first time since 1955. Dennis, since 1955, yep. both of my parents have been born. Likewise. I, I was born. Me too. Uh, I, both your daughters were born. Both of my daughters were born. Did Big Rock even start by then? No. Big Rock over in Moorhead hadn't even started. And Wake Forest has also moved cities. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Since then. They were in actually Wake Forest, North Carolina. That's right. Now they're in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And now Wake Forest is heading back to the College World Series. Um, I think Arnold Palmer was still in school. Like he may li- have been. Literally, like I think he was like still in school at Wake Forest uh, when Wake Forest went back to, uh, went to the College World Series and won it for the first time. So now they have a chance to go out there and win it. Duke absolutely done for the season, even though they looked really good. But let's talk about Wake Forest a little bit. Rhett Louder, uh, one of the best pitchers out there, could be huge as a major leaguer right now. And Wake Forest with that plus 59 run differential in the uh, regionals and the super regionals to get to the uh, College World Series. That is the most ever for a team. It's impressive to see what Wake Forest has built out there in terms of their baseball program and to see the best team in the country not only be an ACC school but a school right here in North Carolina and when we say best team in the country we say that with legitimate statement of they're the number one ranked team in the country they're the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament and the last the only two ACC schools to win national championships Wake Forest and Virginia both made it to Omaha yeah um that's going to be really interesting uh Virginia Virginia at the expense of Duke though (laughs) yeah that's unfortunate but Virginia uh last won College World Series back in 2015 um so think about that like think about the time between 1955 until 2015 until the next ACC school won the CWS so Right now, it's time. ACC is the best, uh, second best uh, league uh, in college baseball, Mm -hmm. second to the SEC. It's time. It's time for another ACC team to get it. So uh, we'll uh, talk about that as uh, the days come along. And also, Alabama fans are crying. Yeah, they are. Because they lost 22 to 5. They're asking on their uh, message boards, are their bets legal? They want Wake Forest to to be investigated. (laughs) No, you got smacked. Drink your tears. You only care about college football anyway. Uh, next. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. You can listen to game five of the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. Denver Nuggets, the home team. Miami Heat, the the away team. As we will see what happens tonight. The Nuggets up three games to one. That starts at 8 o'clock. But the big news for Miami is their sharpshooter, their playmaker, Tyler Hero um, is expected to suit up tonight. We'll see if he'll get a chance to play. That is the official word from Miami. Uh, Dennis, if, if Tyler Hero plays, can Miami get this win? Oh, well, they, they've won without him. They've gotten this far without him, so sure, they can certainly win with him. I'm just curious how it's going to maybe impact the rotation and, and all that kind of stuff tonight. Yeah. Honestly, with his first game back, I wouldn't change anything if I'm Denver. Let him shoot until he actually starts making it. Like, prove to me that you can actually beat us right here. Because otherwise, why would I focus on someone that's a that's a question mark? Very I true. know what you were in the past, but you're coming off an injury. You're not the same. Broke his hand in the first game of the playoffs, mm-hmm. uh, so he's been out for two months since then. Uh, conditioning also might be a factor. Major factor. And, and your his, elevation in Denver. And elevation in Denver, right? That's your first game back. So, um, 
Tyler Hero could be a factor, right? Like, if he is making his shots, um, I don't expect him to be the playmaker. I don't expect no. him to be driving the way he normally does. But if he can make his shots, maybe that opens things up for Miami. But I don't expect him to be playing down the stretch unless Miami is just super desperate. Here's North Carolina, North Carolina's own Bam Adebayo and what the Heat need to do tonight. By any means necessary, uh, we go out there, lay it on the line, and you let the chips fall where they lay. Uh, you know, nobody wants to be in this position, but, you know, for us, we've been through so much adversity in this season. Who else would be in this situation? Uh, so for us, man, we've dealt with adversity before. Biggest thing for us is go out there, play basketball, have ultimate clarity. Now, Nikola Jokic, the big man for the Denver Nuggets, said the mindset, take care of things tonight. It's not if we're going to approach it. This is my swing game, you know, for, for I know, I know it's a, it's a big opportunity and, and I think everybody knows and by the reflection of the practice uh, today, how everybody will locked in. I think, I think we're going to be ready for tomorrow. Uh, and, you know, vets are there for, to, to do their job and to keep us, uh, keep us, uh, not relax, keep us tight, and uh, they're doing a really good job. And I think the vets are in, in this league is a really important uh, for the Yagen team, for the whatever team. You need to have a good vets. By the way, if you don't have a dog in this fight and you need a rooting interest, maybe Miami can complete that comeback, but they have some local guys on the team. Yeah. We heard from Bam Adebayo uh, just before Nikola Jokic. He's from Washington, North Carolina. Also, Caleb Martin. He's from... Uh, Moxville, North Carolina, also played his first two years of college ball over at NC State. So um, game starts was at 8.30 tonight. Coverage begins at 8 o'clock on 99.9 The Fan tonight. So make sure you listen in to that. We have that. What's next? One, two, three. Miles Sanders, the new uh, running back for the Carolina Panthers, um, coming from the Philadelphia Eagles where he had an amazing year, his best year ever um, in the NFL, over 1,200 yards, 1,269 yards. Nice. Scoring 11 touchdowns in 2022. But here's the thing. You would think that going to the Super Bowl, playing in the Super Bowl, would be a highlight of his career. And right now it's kind of the low light of his career. Yeah. Because the Eagles decided to take the ball out of his hand. Only seven carries for 16 yards in the biggest game that you could possibly play in. So – there was an article from the Associated Press that was talking about this and how Miles Sanders has a chip on his shoulder and how he wants to bring some success to Carolina to the Carolina Panthers because, well, he wants to help be that guy that they feed the ball to from the back. So, uh, oh, from from the backfield, I should say. Pause. Thank you. There are. I two, had to I had to clean that up before you. There got it. there are uh, there are two ways of looking at this, Chris. And it's the sense of, okay, you have, you have a guy with a, a chip on his shoulder, right? And, yeah, that might benefit you. But also, if you're trying to do too much to prove people wrong, that could actually work to your detriment. Absolutely. So I'm hoping that he does find that balance of, hey, I'm going to go still out and play the way that I know how to, but still keeping in mind proving, again, people wrong. But part of, part of proving people wrong is late in the season when it becomes – hey, are we in a position to make the playoffs or actually maybe in the playoffs? You got to play at your best because otherwise if you don't, it's just going to prove those other people right. You know why I'm not worried about what you brought up? You're absolutely right, though. But you know why I'm not worried about that? Why is that? You got Frank Reich, former NFL quarterback, as yeah. your head coach. 
You've got Jim Caldwell, uh, former NFL head coach. Also has been a longtime uh, assistant, you know, coordinator, all that good stuff. Also coached at Wake Forest, had some success there. Um, he's going to be one of your senior assistants. And then his running backs coach, Deuce Staley. Been there. He's been there. He's done that for the Philadelphia Eagles himself. Was actually Miles Sanders' uh, running back coach his rookie year in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So he understands what it takes, and he's not going to let Miles Sanders uh, play out of himself. He's going to let make sure he plays within the system and uh, he can shine within that. So that's why I'm not too worried about that. That is a legit concern, but I'm not too worried about that when it comes to Miles Sanders. Here's what he said to the Associated Press uh, when it came to him not getting the carries uh, in the Super Bowl this year against the Kansas City Chiefs. Says, quote, last game of the season for all the marbles? Everybody can answer that question, but if they put themselves in my shoes, would they be happy? I don't want to make headlines, but if it does, I don't care. This is going to give me more opportunities to help my team and win. That's what it's all about. I'm a team guy. I want to do whatever to help my team win. And I think he'll do that for the Carolina Panthers. Next. And I don't even care who number two is. Out at the coast right now, Moorhead City, North Carolina. Yes. Uh, we have the 65th annual Big Rock Fishing Tournament. Uh, already, people are, are catching some huge fish. Um, 470.2 pounder. Big big blue marlin that was uh, pulled in. That was brought today. in by the boat C student or C minus student. So they brought that in. Mm-hmm. Um, and also we talked to WRL's Casey Hentz maybe about an hour ago. Her and Pat Welter, they are out there covering this event for WRL. She says there are rumblings that somebody could be bringing in a 500-pounder. That's right. So Wolverine is the boat that's out there right now. It was estimated to arrive about an hour ago. I've been following the Big Rock online to uh, to make sure I'm, I'm not missing the weigh-in on this, but there's potential they're saying that it's over 500 pounds, oh. but also anywhere between 500 to 700. They feel like they really caught a big one. Now, the Fabulous Fisherman's Prize is still up for grads. It's over $700,000 prize Ooh. on day one. If you bring in a blue marlin over 500 pounds, the first one to do it. So there's a lot of money at stake. Again, this is just day one. And there's you're talking about someone, a, a boat winning nearly a quarter of a million dollars possibly. Will these fish be re-released back into their home after they're done? I think weighing? after they've been, no, after they've been weighed, no. Uh, but the, they've probably been out of the water too long. Right? Yeah, I think that at that point, probably too long. But I know there are often times that where boats do catch one, they realize, okay, this one does not make qualifications in terms of length or whatever it might be, then they release them back. So that is something that is pretty pretty commonplace uh, in these events. So it's not often that actually a lot of these fish are kept. A lot of them are actually released. So a lot of them actually are, are, are studied, and some of them are actually are tagged for, for uh, marine biologists to yeah. study them and actually just track how far they've gone. There Actually, there was one that was tagged years ago that they tracked the tag about how far it actually swam. It actually swam, like, over 5,000 nautical miles, like, across the ocean. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, like, they actually are using these to, like, track and just uh, for the health of the of the ecosystem when it comes to the ocean and all that kind of stuff. Do you know who's my favorite marine biologist of all time? I don't know any, so hit me with it. George Costanza. <laughs> Next. Wait, hold on. Hold on, George Costanza? That was one of the lies 
that uh, Jerry helped to tell for him that he was a marine biologist. Oh, that's to right. catch up with the old classmate, and then the big whale uh, came up on the shore. You remember that episode? I do. I, I think I think he choked on like one of the uh, the golf balls that Kramer was like, of course, uh, you know, hitting into the ocean. Sounds so, about right. Yeah, Seinfeld's my thing. Next, I, I tell you who's the number one recruiter in these parts, especially coming out of I'll say number one recruiter from the transfer portal. Okay, John Shire has some stuff to say. say about John Shire's recruiting. got a lot of great incoming <laughs> John, freshmen. John coming. Shire's been doing his thing. Um, Chef Boyar Keats, Kevin Keats, man, mm-hmm. he's been doing an amazing job. Uh, he brought in Cam Woods uh, as their final addition to the NC State men's basketball team. Now, a lot of folks out there might say, well, who's Cam Woods? And you look him up and say, oh, he just played at North Carolina A&T. That's not as big as MJ Rice, who came from Kansas, who was a five-star. That's not as big as, what, DJ Horn, who came from Arizona State. That's not as big as Jaden Taylor or Turner. I can't remember his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, came from Butler. Uh, but, no, this is huge. It's sneaky big, right? Because, one, Kevin Keats, are, he's getting bodies, and he's going to be able to throw bodies at folks next year. That's one. Secondly, Cam Woods is probably one of the best-kept secrets from the Colonial Athletic Association from last year. Uh, in a game with North Carolina a versus uh, Houston. By the way, Houston was a team under Kelvin Sampson that a lot of people thought would have and should have won a national championship this past March uh, in the NCAA tournament. Cam Wood scored 26 points against the Houston uh, against Houston Cougars on the road. That's not it. He also scored 30 points against College of Charleston in a uh, league game there. Uh, since North Carolina is North Carolina A and T is in the CAA now, and that game or, or College of Charleston, excuse me, that was when they were ranked. Mm-hmm. So he's done a good job against big-time opponents and ranked teams, and maybe he could potentially bring some of that scoring and that explosiveness to NC State. The amount of guard depth that NC State has been amassing is just – it's crazy to look at. Even guys with more like Casey Morsell, yeah. Breon Pass coming back. Morsell was a starter last season. Yeah. Pass, depth off the bench. But yeah, all these guys he's bringing in, that up-tempo pressing style that we've seen Keats use in the past, Yeah, well, you have the amount of legs that he could pull in. Now, he's probably going to run a three-guard lineup oh, again, sure. I mean, oh, like sure. he did last year. I mean, makes sense with the, the amount of talent that he's bringing in, but he he should be able to press teams this upcoming season for sure. Now, Cam Woods is a little bit on the smaller side. He's listed at 6'2", 185. It's not the biggest guy in the world, but neither was Traquavion Smith. No. I mean, Traquavion Smith wasn't – Jarko Joyner wasn't the biggest guy in the world either. You can be effective with these guys, but, man, Keats is loaded up through the transfer portal Kevin big Keats, time. Um, of course, was hugely impacted, had that cloud over his program mm-hmm. because of Mark Gottfried and the NCAA violations uh, in the regime before him, right? And, of course, that impacted how many uh, scholarships he has. Now he has a full realm of scholarships right now, and it also impacted recruiting. We saw times before where there would be big-time name guys who were five stars who say, hey, I'm coming to NC State. Oh, wait a minute, I'm not coming to NC State because I'm just mm-hmm. going to go ahead and go to the NBA draft, Josh Hall, Jalen LeCue, or say, hey, I'm coming to NC State. Oh, actually, let me switch it up and go to Kentucky yeah. instead, like Robert Dillingham. That is something that's been happening to Kevin Keats, and uh, it's been tough for him. But now he's getting his guys. He is getting really good, solid pieces. 
He's recruiting from high school. He's absolutely been recruiting out of the uh, transfer portal and doing a great job with that. And I'm telling you, I, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there early. NC State will be one of the top five teams in the ACC this coming season. Mm. I mean, they, they just, they're going to have the talent to do so. Now, that's also pending health. Um, you know, they could, if they have like big time injuries, that could also impact them. But not only with the guards, you got DJ Burns coming back, you got Ernest Ross coming back and adding in Ben Middlebrooks from Clemson, um, who is also a three point threat at six foot 11. Muhammad Diara coming in from Missouri, who's also a three point threat coming in from, uh, uh, you know, uh, as a six foot 11 guy coming in from Missouri. So, like, that is amazing depth that Kevin Keats will have on his team. And, these guys were highly recruited, highly recruited guys as well. Jaden Taylor, four-star guy. Uh, yes. DJ Horn, four-star guy. MJ Rice, four or five-star, depending on where you look, at, depending on your on your recruiting site. So he's bringing in guys that were highly touted high school recruits, and I'm excited just overall to see what the what the overall landscape of basketball here in the trial is going to look like here in a couple of years. So yeah. we're starting to see Keats. It feels like he's really built his team up through the transfer portal is where it really has built this team is through the portal. Duke, on the other hand, the complete opposite, they're going to the portal to maybe get one or two guys, but that's been mostly incoming talent in terms of freshman recruiting classes yeah. for coach John Shire. Carolina kind of feels like a little bit of the in-between a little bit, though Hubert Davis had to lean into the transfer portal a lot, it seems like, this offseason, probably more than he intended. Yeah. But nonetheless, it's the, the way these three rosters have been built for this upcoming season have all been a little bit different. But nevertheless, the talent is there. Now, which team, this I'm curious, your thoughts on this, Chris, I feel like Duke is going to be able to establish an identity a lot quicker because these are guys who have been with the program a recruited into the program as freshmen, but also freshmen now turning into sophomores from last season. It's probably easier to define your identity as a program. Well, you get this mixed match of guys coming in from all over the place. How do you find that balance of forming your identity? I know you want to try and find guys that fit it, but still, it's kind of harder to do when guys have come from other places. So I wouldn't discount what, what Kevin Keats nor Hubert Davis has already. I'm not going to try and discount it, for sure. Because because you have, like, especially with Hubert Davis, you're going to have Armando Bacot in his fifth year. Yeah. And you're going to have R.J. Davis in his fourth year. And more than likely, you're going to have guys who came to Carolina to play with those guys. True. So That's they, the, I, I didn't so, think about it from so that So they are going to come and fall in line. And then also on the NC State side, you have a guy like DJ Bur DJ Burns, even though he's only been here for a year, he's a Wolfpacker through and through. Look at look at how the um, the the fan base has taken to him, and how how the PNC Arena comes alive anytime he catches that ball on a low block. Yeah. I mean, people are ready to see something magical, and all it is is a, is a basic, you know. Hey, back to the basket. I'm gonna you know use my footwork and and get you up in the air, and I'm gonna lay it in over you, or I'm gonna do the fadeaway shot. Uh, DJ Burns has an amazing game, and people absolutely love him. So him, and then also Casey Morsell, that was a huge guy to get back. Uh, and and Breon Pass, he's coming off the bench, but he's been in the system for three years. Those guys are gonna get those the the, the transfers and the recruits in line, I believe. 
um, and actually uh, will, will help out with that process. If it was a brand new team, completely brand new, and nobody else coming mm-hmm. in, I would be a little bit upset. Uh, I'm not upset. <laughs> I would be a little bit worried about what would happen. Uh, but also, we got to think about LJ Thomas as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a freshman last year, coming in as a That's sophomore. Right. Like he's he's ready to take a step up for NC State. So I think NC State uh, will, will be fine when, when it comes to that. But that was a good question, though, for sure. Hey, I'm uh, I'm intrigued by this upcoming season. I think it's going to be one of the more competitive seasons from all three schools together that we've seen in the triangle in a while. Because it feels like in recent years, one or two have been good, while a third has may have struggled. And I think like all. Th- I think this will be the first time in a while that we might see all three triangle schools actually make the NCAA tournament. That's that's huge, and then you'll probably see the same thing on the women's side as well. Yeah, so well, we saw it last season. Yeah, we did see it last season. But to get all all six in that regard, that would be crazy. And then you know, of course, uh, we've had a down year with NC Central. I mean, let's not take uh, yeah. you know, head coach uh, uh, Lavelle Moten out of out of the picture because he's going to have something to say about it too. So a lot of a lot of great basketball happening here in the triad coming up. I'm sorry, the triad, triangle. Excuse me. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. I, know. I, I live. You so- reverted back to three three six. I lived somewhere for a long time, and that is just it's you reverted so- back to three three six, Chris. Some habits are hard to break. Not, excuse not with me. Nine, in the Chris. triangle. Yeah. We just were talking about songs that are turning 20 years old. This yeah. song, Crazy in Love, from Beyonce. 20 years old when i was a kid in the 90s things that sound that were 20 years old from the 70s mm-hmm. sounded so old to me how does that song sound to a kid now who's oh, like who's like eight question. years old because i felt like everything from the 70s sounded i mean sounded really old it was like yeah. oh my god that was such a long time ago it's just the yeah yeah because the way I wonder if it's just because of the technology with the way we can mix music now. Yeah. And how it how 20 years ago was much closer today than it was to 20 years before. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, like 1983 compared to 2003. Technology and recording music really jumped from 65 to like 95 and kind of, yeah, well, kind even, of hovered there. But even, yeah, but even still from, like you said, 20 years before 1983 to 2003, big time jump. And then yeah. even still, just because they were able to record and mix things digitally, you know, definitely has changed things a lot now. And then also as well, it's just, you and I have talked about this a lot, just about how music regionally just kind of devolved, for lack of a sense. Like, for True. example, like we played True. Back That Thing Up earlier, Cash Money Records, that's a New Orleans sound, yeah. right? Yeah. You hear things like Ludacris and the Outcast back in the day, that Atlanta sound, the, the Wu-Tang Clan, that's New York the NWA, those guys, that West Coast sound, right? Even here in North Carolina, it has its own specific distinct sound uh, to it. Now today, it's like you listen to hip hop music. There's no regional like sound, right. like Nelly, that St. Louis sound, like everything. Yeah. Like you could kind of tell, like, oh, that's an Atlanta sound. Okay, that's got a New Orleans thing to it. Nowadays, it's just everything's kind of blended together. You'll hear somebody from Philadelphia, like Lil Uzi Vert, right? And then yeah. I'll, I'll hear a song, and I'm like. Wait a minute, is that somebody from Atlanta? Oh, no, it's Lil Uzi Vert from Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Everything's blended in together. Yeah, I, I, I kind of miss that. I kind of miss having that. You hear a song like, okay, that's that's a that sounds like New Orleans. You hear Cash Money or No Limit, you know. That's You know what? That's a whole other discussion, but mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of that also is because back in the day, it was cool to be different. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it, to a to a certain degree, it was cool to be different because people wanted to come out and have their own sound. And now there's a lot of folks like I'll hear like new artists say, 
uh, yeah, I want something that sounds like, and just name an artist. I want something that sounds like Drake. And then they go out there and they sound exactly like Drake. Well, no. What Drake did made him special. What yeah. makes what makes you special? Sound like you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I, I think a, that's part of the reason why, because you know people want to chase after a sound to put themselves on in something different. Doesn't always work out for them. Doesn't yeah, always work. Be out. original. Be yourself. Somebody who is original, though, uh, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons baseball team um, under Tom Walter, mm-hmm. uh, they are very, very much so original. As a matter of fact, they are. Um, Heading back to the College World Series for the first time since 1955. It's been when, a they, minute. when they were originally in Wake Forest <laughs> before they moved to Winston Salem, so this is the first time uh, they're going to the College World Series as a um, as you know living in Winston Salem, North Carolina. But um, one of the biggest, the biggest run differential uh, we've ever seen heading into the College World Series. Um, plus 59 in the regional and super regional rounds as they're heading into the College World Series. No team has ever done that. They've mostly been blowing teams out, but they've won close ones too. And I think that's a mark of a great team is that in a tight game, you can still grind out a win, but, man, their their lineup is just stacked right now. And I watching them play against Alabama, that 22-5 to drubbing they put on them yesterday was pretty remarkable. Uh, speaking of Wake Forest, so the NBA draft is next week. Yes. There's someone at Wake Forest that's in the NBA draft that's, uh, we should say breaking news. Breaking news. Regarding the NBA draft. Wake Forest freshman Bobby Clintman is withdrawing from the 2023 NBA draft. However, it is past the deadline for him to return to college. Hmm. So if he would have done this maybe a couple of weeks ago, he could come back to Wake Forest and play. Now he will pursue alternative routes to the NBA, both domestic and abroad. Clintman is a projected lottery pick in the 2024 NBA draft. This is, this is a uh, tweet from Shams Sharania. Now, why this is really important. Uh, one of the reasons why Bobby Clintman decided not to come back to Wake Forest, where he would have been probably a guaranteed starter, and would have played all kinds of minutes, mm-hmm. is because he says, well, I don't want to say he said, it's reported that he got a he got a promise from a team that he would be picked hmm. in the first round. Now, all of a sudden, today, June 12th, 2023, past the deadline, NBA draft, 10 days away, he's like, nah, I got I to gotta get out the NBA draft. It sounds like this young man got bad advice. He got some bad advice. He got some really bad advice. So he played in 26 games last season, started five, averaged 20.8 minutes per game. So it's not like he was getting just scrub time. Yeah. And this guy actually was legit playing some serious minutes. Averaged just 5.6 points per game. So he averaged 4.6 rebounds per game. Now his three-point shooting shot 39.4% from three, which isn't bad. I guess you're just drafting off his athletic potential at 6'10", 225. That's what it is. He's one of yeah. these guys where you're you're drafting off his potential because, you know, he's 6'10", you said it, but he he more so, he, you think that he's maybe, he's, he's a big wing, right? Yeah, he's a big wing. Like, he's somebody where, he, where what he plays like at 6'10", uh, you would think he's 6'6", 6'7", right? So... Um, he's he would have been an amazing piece. He would have had so much playing time at Wake Forest this coming year, but he got bad advice, and now he has to do something else. But maybe he could play with the G League Ignite team. That's possible if he's going to play domestically. Yeah. Or he could play with Overtime Elite, maybe make some money there, uh, or he could just go pro overseas. Well, he is his hometown's from Malmo, Sweden. 
So I don't know if he maybe potentially goes back to Europe. I'm not entirely sure what his options actually are, Chris. But it's I would hate to see a, a potentially bad decision derail someone's career before it even actually gets started. And here's something else, though. It sounded like he had a great combine. He, sound, he had a really good combine and he got some type of a promise. But here's something I would like to see, though, uh, if we're talking about changes to the NBA draft. I would like to see that deadline moved up a little bit. Let somebody pull out of the NBA draft up to three days before and return to college. Mm, I'm not sure I like that. I think I'm going to disagree with you on are, that. Are, is that. Is that coming from the coach's perspective? Because I'm I, thinking from from the kid's perspective, though, if if you're going doing all these workouts, talking to all these teams, it gives you a chance to travel around the country and talk to all of these teams. And, and you find out a couple days beforehand yeah, my status isn't as much as I thought it was. I can go back to college right now and work on that and and pick up where I left off with the same team I was with. Now he has to change everything he's just done. I, I think th- three days is just too close because you got to think that NBA teams have been scouting and, per- and potentially maybe made trades or discussed trades on potentially moving up thinking that you might be available in a place and all of a sudden you're not there. I can see that for the NBA teams wanting to protect themselves. So I – I don't know. I but would not make it too, too close. But we're 10 days from the draft today, and he's made this decision. So, I mean, at some point, wouldn't it be better for him to go back to Wake Forest to play in the ACC versus sure. Duke and Carolina, be on national television, show what he can do more than just five points per game? Yeah. Uh, that is <laughs> – I get I mean, what you're saying. I, I mean, think it'll be better. 108 early entry candidates actually withdraw from the, the 2023 NBA draft. So there's definitely a lot, but – you had to be well. I guess the deadline was five o'clock today. That's ten days. But the thing is, though, it's it's too late for him to go. It's out of too college. late for college. Maybe that's an NCAA rule that needs to change, not necessarily an NBA thing. Okay. So that's the thing. Maybe it's not. It's not the NBA's problem. Maybe it's actually an NCAA problem. Or how about this? Can we meet in the middle? Can we say a week, seven days? I so think this ten Thursday. days is fine. But I this just, is but this is the but this is the NCAA has to make the suggestion. I, I just think that Bobby Clinton should have an opportunity to come back to Wake Forest. Uh, but you know, that's I just, don't disagree. I don't disagree. But I think that's that's an NCAA rule that has to change. Right, we'll see what happens.